welcome to a half an hour of hope with Babo Mario, the restoration of grace. Please share and thank you. Um, this, this is a series of teachings we started last week based on my book, The Constitution of the Believer, uh, 23 articles, basic, basic truth, basic uh, tenets of Christianity on which uh, to build the rest of our understanding. And uh, um, the, uh, the, 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 these articles that are written, uh, they, they, I have done it so that we, I, can, I can provide the Christian with a filter with which to filter every sermon, every message, everything that comes through uh, um, a screen, a page, uh, an earphone, or whatever. Uh, in, su in such a way that we can understand whether it comes, whether it's produced by faith, by grace, by love, and, and, uh, or not. And we need, to wear, we need to wear the glasses of grace and love with which to read this book. If we don't read this book with the glasses of grace and love, unfortunately, we end up with a bunch of rules and regulation and the dryness of the litter that kills. So... Um, eventually this book is going to be available in English, but I'll let you know. But in the meantime, please forgive me, I have run a long, long, long Italian teaching until a few minutes ago um, on, uh, on the 10 o'clock slot for the Italian uh, video. So please forgive me if uh, here, and, here and there I stop and I kind of recollect my thoughts. Okay, so today... We are looking at the, uh, at the sixth article of the Constitution of the Believer. And as I said, the Constitution is something that I have written and that I believe is the superseding rule of law in, in, um, in Christianity. In other words, the Constitution of a, of a, of a, of a country, the Constitution of a, of a democracy, of a republic, is that, that, uh, that judicial umbrella under which every other rule, every other law, every other decree must abide. Because the Constitution is the one that gives uh, permission to that law to be promulgated and to be published. So, the same thing is with the Constitution of the Believer and with, uh, with these 23 uh, articles that unless whatever you hear, the message, the doctrine, the book you read or whatever it is, unless that... Uh, that uh, sink, that that uh, um, uh, vibrates, that that uh, um, agrees with the constitution, with the tenets of the constitution. Then my suggestion to you is don't listen, because all you're listening to is a bunch of rules and regulation and legalism and laws that have nothing to do with the message of Christ. Having said that, let me carry on and make the statement, which is very dangerous, but this is part of, of the, what I believe. To be the constitution of the believer. The Bible, <laughs> the Bible is not the word of God. And it is the spirit who speaks to us, not the letter. Okay, let me see if I can. <laughs> Here, naturally, I have to be very, very careful where I put my feet because the Bible for the Christian, especially the evangelical, Pentecostal, charismatic Christian, is untouchable, sacred almost, if I may say it, idolized. But let's just read 
what the Bible, what the scripture, what the Bible, what the book called the Bible says about the Word of God. John chapter 1 and verse 1 says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Okay, now let's, let's assume for a moment that we think that this book is the Word of God. And let's rewrite that John 1, 1 in line with our belief, right? If the, and let's use one translation, the King James, okay? The, King, the, the Holy King James, the Holy Bible, the King James. So let's, let's read it like this. In the beginning was the King James. The King James was with God, and the King James was God. <laughs> can, you see, can you see the madness of such a doctrine? And hey, it's not just the King James, it's the New American Standard, the New Living Translation, the, the Message, the, the New International Version, the, the, the Passion, the, 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 the literally hundreds of translations. And if, if that was the Word of God, we would, have a, we would have a horrible problem because the Message says one thing, King James says another, and the New Testament, New, New, uh, NASB says another, and, uh, and the NIV says another, and, and it's, a big, it's a big confusion. So now, and, and there are so many, they, these translations are not the Word of God. They are different translations made by different men with different results. Do, do, do I make my point? Okay, we, we see another verse that confirms this position. Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews chapter 4, verses 12 and 13. Hebrews chapter 4. And he says this, For the Word of God, okay, the Word of God, we're talking about the Word of God. For the Word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. Piercing even to the division of soul and spirit, and of joints and marrow. And it is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. And there is no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are naked and open to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. Okay, you will, you will tell me, but Mario, we know, we know this passage well. And without the slightest shadow of a doubt, it speaks of the Bible, the Word of God, living and effective. Yeah? Really? Okay. Let's look at verse 13. And there is no creature that can be hidden from his sight, but all things are naked and open to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. Notice his sight, the eyes of him, not it, him. Him is a person, is not a book. Him, his, is a person, is not a book. His eyes, this book got no eyes. His eyes and him. The Bible is not a book. The Bible is the Word of God, Jesus Christ. Excuse me, the Word of God is not a book. The Word of God is Jesus Christ. He's a person. Uh, before the eyes of the one of the one to whom we must give account. You don't you don't give account to a book, you give account to to to, to Jesus Christ. He and him are two pronouns that do not refer to the Bible at all. Let's see how the Word of God is identified by the Apostle Paul in Ephesians 6.17. Ephesians 6.17. Okay? Let's see how the Apostle Paul identifies the Word of God because it, it says here, 
uh, 6.17 And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Okay. So now, John 1.1 1, 1 states that the Word of God is God. Hebrews 4.12 says that the Word of God is alive. Hebrews 4.13 declares that it is a he and a him and not a it. Ephesians 1.17 continues by stating that the Word of God is the sword of the Spirit. Now, let's see if we can put all these definitions together in a, in a couple of scripture verses that will reveal exactly who are we talking about. Revelation chapter 19. Now listen to this. Revelation chapter 19, verses 11 to 15. Now, I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse, and he, he, <laughs> and he who sat on it was called faithful and true. And in righteousness he judges and makes war. His eyes were a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns. He had a name written that no one knew except himself. He was clothed with a robe, with a robe dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. And the armies of heaven, closing five linen, white and clean, followed him on white horses. Now, out of his mouth goes a sharp sword that which he will strike the nation. So a sharp sword comes out of his mouth. Say, so he's not a him. It's not a hit. It's not a hit. Uh, it's um, it's faithful and it's and it's faithful and it's truthful. It's full of it's faithful. Uh, is faithful and true. Faithful and true. Okay, so now, this is why the Word of God is the voice of the Divine Spirit that comes out of the mouth of the Messiah. That sword of the Spirit is the Word of God that is the voice of the Divine Spirit that comes out of the mouth of the Messiah. Jesus Christ who lives in the heart of every believer. This is why Scripture defines the true Word of God as faithful and true. Because it is Christ, the Messiah, the Spirit of God, the divine anointed one who will never leave you faithful and who cannot lie true. See, John, John 1, in the, he came full of, full of grace and truth. Grace and truth. Faithful and, and true. He, cannot, he will not leave you. He will not, he will not lie. Okay, Mario. But you have to admit that there are dozens of other verses that clearly identify the Word of God with Scripture. But undoubtedly, undoubtedly, let, let's see if I can solve this little dilemma. Suppose I have a candle, a flashlight, a car headlight, a, 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 a theater spotlight, a spotlight, a lighthouse, a full moon, and the sun in front of me. What do all these things have in common? Think about it. A match, a candle, the sun. What, what do they have in common? They produce light. Some more, some less. But all of them somehow generate light. Do you remember the long list of Bible translations that I mentioned early on? Do you remember that I said that there are different translations made by different men with different results? Yet, all of those have something in common. Light. Now let's see what that light is. The Apostle Peter mentions in his second letter, the, mentioned this light in his second letter when he describes his meeting 
with the glorified Christ on Mount, on Mount Tabor, the mountain of transfiguration, together with Moses and Elijah. Now Moses and Elijah appear. Moses represents the law, the Torah. Elijah represents the prophet. And right throughout the, the, the book of Matthew, book, the, the, the gospel written for the Jews, Jesus identifies the book of the prophets as the Torah, as the law, as the, as the, as the book of the law. The book of the law was the, the Torah and the prophets. Okay, so today Jesus would say the, the Elijah, Moses and Elijah represent this book, represent the paper in this book. Okay, now what happens? The sky opens, the voice of God says, this is my beloved son, listen to him. Not to them, listen to him. Now, watch. 2 Peter 119. We also have the most let's let's 2 Peter, 2 Peter, 2 1 John, 2 Peter. Okay? 2 Peter. 119. And so we have the prophetic word confirmed, which you do well to heed as a light that shines in a dark place until the day dawns. And the morning star rises in your heart. Okay, now what does it mean? The, the Apostle Paul states, the Apostle Peter states that there is a prophetic word that is more certain than, that, than the sense of sight. The Greek word used here in the text is prophetis, prophetis, which is composed of pro, which means ahead, forward, and the root phos, which means light. That's why you got phosphorescent, phosphorus. Uh, phos means light. Every word of God in, every, in any version, no matter what translation, contains a light that shines from inside to outside to those who seek it. Inside here, there's prophecy. But the book of the, 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 uh, the Apocalypse speak, speaks of prophecy. All over the there's prophecy. What is that prophecy? That prophecy is that, that light that shines from the inside through the mouth of Jesus out is projected, is projected, pro projected out of the mouth of God, and you receive it, and bang, the day dawns, and you go, whoa, I can see it. And the star, uh, the, the morning star rises in your heart. And that's the revelation. That is what happens when you read the Word of God properly. You read it, you receive the spirit, the sword that, come out, that comes out of the mouth of the Messiah, that light, prophecy, prophetia, prophetess, prophos, light that comes out, that comes forth. Light that shines from the inside to the, to the outside. That's why Peter encourages to see the Word of God, the Word as a lamp. The Apostle refers to the revelation of the Word of God. The, 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 and so we have a prophecy which, which you do well to read as a light that shines in the dark place. He, he, he encourages to see it as a light that shines in the dark place because the, the light, I don't, care, I don't care what it is. You can go to the Kango Caves. You can, how was it? In the Kango Caves, they turn off the light, brother, it's darkness. It's dark. I mean, I'm, I'm talking dark with a capital D. Dark. It's dark. It's pitch black dark. I mean, you, you can have you can have a, a dinosaur breathing in your face. You don't see. It's dark. But you know what? If you turn on your phone, the screen lights up. Very feeble light. Not even if you turn on your car keys, you go beep. That little red light. You know what that little red light does? Beats the darkness. 
The slight, that's, that's what the whole concept of the, of the, of the mustard seed, that's what the whole concept of faith, that's what, the, the tiniest little thing will destroy the darkness because it's prophos, it's the light of, of the Spirit of God that comes out of the mouth of Jesus and that will destroy the darkness. There, the apostle refers to the revelation of the Word of God. Read the Bible until the moment the, the day dawns and the star of revelation lights up in your heart and Jesus Christ speaks to you. The Bible is not the Word of God, but God uses the Bible principally to speak to the believer. Otherwise, it would be a dead book. If this book said the same thing to everybody in the world, it would be a dead book. Just, just imagine. Imagine. Uh, I'll give you an example. In front of me, I have five believers. Okay? Five believers. Believers. An Arab woman raised in total submission to her husband. And who must veil her eyes every time she leaves the house. A Zulu king with his dozens of wives, hundreds of concubines, and thousands of children. <laughs> As his culture allows him. A Chinese farmer who has just met Christ and has to hide his faith for fear of being arrested. A very rich Hollywood actress who lives a rather uh, light life uh, between her Beverly Hills villa and, uh, and the film studios. And I, a 73-year-old Italian born who lives in South Africa, happily married for almost 50 years, who writes books and produces videos for Facebook and YouTube. Okay? Now, let's take a chapter in the Bible, say Romans chapter 6, whatever, whatever, whatever chapter, and put it in front of these five believers so different from each other. If the Bible understood as a book, was the Word of God, and it would carry a neutral, impersonal message equal for everyone, equal for a Zulu king and the, and the, the actress in, in, in Beverly Hills and the Arab woman somewhere in Syria. Uh, and, and me, married, uh, it would say the same thing, but it cannot because we've got a different past, a different present, and a different future. Five people with different past, different present, different future, different past. My, my experiences are different. Different present. My circumstances are different. Different future. My aspirations are different. So we have a, a world of difference between one and the other. If the, if the word, if this book was the, was the word of God, it would say the same thing to everybody. And that cannot happen because then it would be a dead book. But that's why it's alive and well and faithful and true. One of the greatest problems of the church arises precisely in this fact. That they see the Bible as the source of the Word of God. That they see the Bible as the Word of God instead of a source of the Word of God. And the, the source brings a vibrant, personal and different message for each of them. The Word of God will say the same thing to everyone. Now, this fact is exactly... One of the biggest problems in, in the church today. Everything is neutral, impersonal, and equal for all. Constitutes, and that constitutes what Paul calls the letter. And which I call religionism, and that letter kills. That's why you have the, the Crusades, that's why they have the Inquisition, that's why you have uh, Northern Ireland, that's why you have ISIS, that's why you have, because the letter kills. You, you, you bring a book that says, my God says this, and you're done, you cook. 
that. You're finished. You, 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 you're done. Instead of having a personal relationship with God, you have a personal relationship with a book. You're done. You're finished. Sooner or later, you die. You might not die in the physical, but you die in the spiritual because your relationship with God dries up. Dries up just like that seed that is sown on, on, the, on the stony ground and, uh, or on the, on, the, on the ground full of uh, weeds and the weeds uh, in the stony ground, the sun kills it, dries it up and in the, in the, in the weed, weedy ground, the weeds grow and choke it. It'll choke, it'll choke it because you cannot have a relationship with the law. You can only have a relationship with a person and that's Jesus Christ. The letter is the, the source of dissensions, divisions, and wars. The message of the true word of God is vibrant, personal, and different. That message speaks individually to thousands of believers, even, even from the same text, but in a personal and unique way for each of them. It motivates them with faith and revelation and fills their heart with hope and love for God. Although not always applicable, verses of the Bible, we can say that the, word, that the written word Logos is the lamp, while the revealed word Rema is the light. Now let me give you an example. We might go a little bit longer this morning, I'm sorry. Uh, actually I'm not sorry, I'm just enjoying myself deeply. I just hope that you will hang around with me. So, John chapter, let me, let me, just, let me just share with you what it means uh, revelation. What is this revelation that I'm talking about? Look at this. Example, we're reading John chapter 1, okay, chapter 1 from verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, was with God, and the Word was God. Right, stop. Right here we have an enormous revelation. John 1, 1 links with Genesis 1, 1, where it says in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. The Bible says in the beginning God, Elohim, Elohim, there was a word next to Elohim. In the, in the original text in the Hebrew, John, Genesis 1, 1, there's a word next to Elohim that has not been translated, and it's the word Aleph Taf, the first word, the first letter, and the last letter of the alphabet. Aleph Taf. That word, the Bible says, was, was with God, and what, that word was God. Now, how can a word like that be... be be God simply because in the in the in the in the book of the Revelation, the Bible Jesus Christ reveals Himself as I am various times as I am the Alpha and the Omega. Only problem is that Jesus didn't speak Greek; he spoke Aramaic or Hebrew, and so he didn't say Alpha and Omega, first letter and the last letter of the alphabet, uh, the Greek alphabet. He said the first letter and the last letter of the Hebrew alphabet, which is Aleph Tav. So Jesus identifies himself as that letter that in Genesis 1-1 was near with Elohim. So that word was with God. That word was God. So that word, that word is not this word. That word is Jesus Christ. Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. The only begotten of the Father. Now he, watch, he was in the beginning with God. He, not it. He was in the beginning of all things were made through him and without him nothing was made that was made. Him, 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 not it, him. Uh, in him was life and the life was the light of men. Okay, we have a problem here. In him was life, in the beginning was the word and in him was life. Uh, if we go back to the beginning we'll find out that uh, uh, Genesis uh, 1, 3, when, G when God says, uh, and God said, light be, 
and light was. Uh, no, because God only created the sun and the moon and the stars on the fourth day of creation, not, not in the beginning. So the light as we know it did not exist until the fourth day of creation. So what did he say when he said uh, light be? Well, um, scholars, Hebrew scholars tell me that the, the actual translation should be not li uh, uh, and God said light be and light was, but the actual translation should be let him who is light shine. Now we understand, now we understand why uh, um, in the beginning was the, was, the, was the Word, and the Word was God. In, that's why we understand that even though the sun was created on the fourth day of creation, there was light, because the, the actual translation is, let him who is light shine. But let's, get, let's go on. Um, there was a man sent from John, and then he carried on, uh, that the true light which gives light to every man coming into the world, he was in the world, him, he, him, he, he gave the light, he, that the word, then the word became paper. No. <laughs> no, then the word became flesh. Flesh, not paper. This is not, this is not God. This is a book. The Spirit of God speaks to you, the, the sword of the Spirit that comes out of the mouth of Jesus, speaks to you through the revelation, through that light, every time you go digging, prophetess, pro, false look, light that comes out, comes forth. Okay, so here we go. The word became flesh and dwelt. Interesting word, the word skeno, which means, which is derived from the, from the root word skenos, which means tent, hut, temporary residence. Why? Think about it. Jesus comes and he says, I, the word became flesh and dwelt among us, temporary residence among us. Why? That's why he said, this is, it is profitable that I go away because if I don't go away, the spirit will not come. And, but if I go away, the father will send the spirit. So what happens is that Jesus, while he was here, he was the word of God, alive and well. But then he goes away and sends the spirit, the word, the sword of the spirit. So all of a sudden, he's not dwelling, he's temporarily with us, but eternally is the spirit of God inside of you. If you could unzip my, my, my heart and open it up, I will show you there's a, there's, there's a quantum of light, there's the, there's the presence of God, there's the presence of the spirit of God, the light of God that shines out and destroys darkness. Darkness all over me. Sheesh. And we beheld his glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Full of grace and truth. Remember we read faithful and true. Full of grace and truth. Here he is. Now John bore witness of him and cried out saying, This is he okay, and of his fullness we have all received in grace and grace. For the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. You see, the law was given through Moses. The law is given. The law is given, but grace and truth come, came. Grace and truth come. It's a person. Grace and truth is a person. The law is given. Grace and truth are a person. All right. Now, no one has seen God, verse 18, no one has seen God at any time. The only begotten Son, who is in the bosom of the Father, he has declared him. Okay, now watch. This word bosom is magnificent. This word is the word kolpos. And Kolpos in the bosom of the Father. Now watch. Listen, listen, please listen. Please uh, listen to me. 
Jesus says in his, in his apostolic uh, prayer in John 15, 16 and 17, he speaks to, to the, to the uh, Holy Father. Okay? He doesn't speak to the Pope. He speaks to the only one who is Holy Father, which is God. Okay? So Jesus turns to, to, the, to the Father and says, that you may be in me, that I may be in you, and that they may be in us. So altogether there's a, a chad. A chad is a Hebrew word for unity, for harmony, for, 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 for togetherness, for, for agreement that, that it may be one. So we, all of a sudden we are in Christ and Christ is in God. We are one. My spirit is not here. The Bible says I'm seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. My spirit is perfect. It's in God. It's in Christ. I am saved forever. Safe eternally in the arms of God. In the bosom of the Father. Corpus. The first, there's got three meanings this word. The first meaning is the place where a mother would cradle her baby. Okay, so next next to a next to a breast, so that he could feed and he could and he could be protected and cradled. That's all. That's all a, a, a baby needs. It doesn't, it doesn't need a book that says "Don't poop in your in your in your in your pants. Uh, don't 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 cry the whole night. Don't don't do this. Don't do that. Don't do that. no. Don't spit your food out. No. All he needs is the bosom of the, of the mother, the the breast of the mother, the food. And the love and the protection and the sense of peace that he has in the bosom, in the colpos of the mother. That is the first. And you are there. You and I are there in Christ, in the bosom. The first. Now, listen. Oh, Jesus. The, the, the firstborn of God, the firstborn of God, Jesus Christ, the firstborn of God, tells me that there's a second and a third and a fourth. And I might be the, 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 the seventh billion. 300 million 473rd but I'm in there somewhere boy I'm in the bosom of the father the colpos second and second meaning of the word colpos is is a harbor a bay uh, it's the place where the, where the where the storm is going on outside there and you can you can go in retreat and be in the colpos in the bay, in the harbor of God, who protects you and he keeps you. And, and there's no storm that can hit your life. Because it doesn't matter what's going on out there. The Bible says, if you have built your house on the rock, on the rock of what? On the Eben, on the rock of Jesus Christ, being the Son of God and representing the Father through the work of the Messiah. Who do the men say that I, the Son of Man, Ben Adam, he, uh, is? They, uh, and, and Peter replied and he said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. In other words, you are Yeshua HaMashiach, Ben Adonai, uh, Ben Elohim. So Ben Adam, the son of man, became Ben Elohim, the son of God. And that is the harbor where you can rest your boat, the boat of your life. You can put it there and you can stay safe because all sorts of tempest and storms and tornadoes and and whatever can happen on the other side you are not going to be touched because you're in the colpos of the father and the third meaning the third meaning is is uh, is the of colpos is the fold that created in the in the in the in the garments of a jew in the front he had this this fold in which it was like a pocket in which he would keep his money he would keep his treasures he would keep what was precious to him let me tell you something god loves you so desperately he keeps you in the in his corpus in the in the in the in the bosom 
of the Father. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Okay, so that is why Romans 10, 17, there's so much. I mean, I could, I could go on for, for months, but we can't. So, Romans 10, 17 says, tell us that faith comes by hearing, not, from, not by reading, but by hearing. And hearing comes from the Word of God. So, hearing, not reading. And Jesus reiterates in Matthew 13, 15. Matthew 13, 15. And it says this. Matthew 13, 15 says, For the hearts of His people have grown dull, their ears are hard of hearing, and their eyes they have closed, that they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears, and that they should understand with their hearts, and that I should heal them. So in other words, the result is understanding, hearing with your ears, understanding with your heart, and healing, which also means yaomai, the, 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 the Greek word yaomai also means salvation. In conclusion, the Bible, in book format, what most, most Christians call the Word of God, has not existed for centuries and centuries and centuries. During the first millennium and a half of history, very few knew how to read and write. Even less those who could dispose of even a very small part of the scriptures. Nobody else, nobody, nobody had any, any Bible. There was no Bible. There was, there was nothing. There was nothing written. Only kings, some nobles, popes, rabbis, and, 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 and high priests. Some, they would have a, a, a fraction, a portion, something called the scripture. But this was like the letter of, the Paul, of Paul to the Ephesians was in the church of Ephesus. And most probably in, in, in t t Timothy was holding it, being the pastor. So there was no Bible. The first Bible was the first Bible, the first book Bible was printed in 1455 by Johann Gutenberg in Mainz, Germany. And only in the 19th century did it become relatively accessible to everyone. Despite, despite, despite this, the message of the good news, the announcement of the gospel, has spread throughout the world. And God has spoken to all humanity. How? With a book? No, from mouth to mouth. The majority of Christians have a book to obey. Some have a message to share. To finish. John 5, 39 and 40 puts uh, the, the, the classic stone on top of it. John 5 39 and 40 Jesus says you search the scriptures for in them you think you have eternal life and these are they which testify when you search the scriptures and you think that inside yeah, you have eternal life but thy scriptures testify of me uh, they testify of me verse 40 but you are not willing to come to me that you may have life. Life is in Christ is not in the, in the scriptures, in the letters. Life is in Christ. Life is in that light that shone from the beginning of time. And that is shining out of, the, out of this book. It's shining out of this book, out of this book, out of this book, out of that book, out of all the different translations. It's shining the light, the prophecy. Even, even the Bible calls prophecy, calls itself prophecy. In the book of uh, Revelation, right at the end, it calls prophetess, prophetess. Prophos, the light that goes forth. Yes, the Word of God is not a book made of paper and ink, but a spirit made of words and revelations. So, hence, the Article 6 of the Constitution declares that if the message that is preached, the instructions that are given, or the doctrines that are taught, 
state that the book called the Bible is the Word of God and that we must blindly obey every letter written in its pages, that message, instruction or doctrine or sermon or video or whatever is wrong and unconstitutional. So, how about that, God? Thank you so much for those who have understood the beauty of your word. Thank you for that light. Thank you for that, for that force. Thank you for the sword that comes out of, the, out of the mouth of the Messiah and speaks to me and gives me life, carries light and brings me life. And I thank you for it, Lord, in Jesus' name. Bless those who have been watching this video. Bless South Africa, Lord, and help us out of this mess, I pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. I'll see you not tomorrow. Tomorrow I'm busy a long time with my Italian uh, crowd. Uh, I'll see you on Friday. A big hug. Love you. Bye-bye.